Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. I've been led today to re-preach a sermon that I preached several weeks ago about love. It was a good one. Apparently, we need to hear it again. This is what the Holy Spirit wants. And, you know, I actually get asked a lot of times, like, do you just, like, go to a, fi- do you ever go to a filing cabinet and just kind of, like, pull out one of your previous messages? I guess that's something that pastors do, but I don't ever do that. I'm always asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want for this service today? Because he's the only one, he's the one that knows what you guys need in this service, and I want to deliver that for you. And so whenever he tells me to re-preach a sermon, which maybe this is the third time that he's asked me to do this in the last five years, I still wrestle with it a little. I'm like, are you sure we already did that one? Like, shouldn't we just move on to something fresh and new? He's like, no, go give them that one again. So don't tune out because you may have heard this before because there's something in this that you need still. Amen? And honestly, I mean, we do all kinds of things over and over. How many of y'all listen to the same song over and over and over and over? How many times have you read the same scripture over and over and over, and you still get something new out of it, which is amazing? So the Bible reveals that love is more important than prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. And actually, without love, did you know that all the gifts of the Spirit are meaningless? They're meaningless. The Bible also reveals that love is more important than knowledge. In other words, you could know everything that the Bible has to say, but if you didn't have love, your knowledge would be meaningless. In God's eyes, love is even greater than faith. Let that one settle in. I mean, it's not that faith isn't important. It's just without love, faith is meaningless. If you want to serve God well, then love comes first. And it's so important that you might as well just focus on this one thing, love, until you get it. It's the most important thing. It's the most important thing. And we know this. We already know this because 1 Corinthians 13 is one of the go-tos in the church. How many of you all have been in church for a while and you've heard 1 Corinthians 13 a few times, maybe, 10, maybe hundreds of times, right? The problem is we know it, but we don't do it, at least not all of it. And the evidence is in our actions. The things listed about love in 1 Corinthians 13, they're not unattainable. How many have you ever looked at that list in 1 Corinthians? You're like, we just won't ever measure up to that. I mean, God... But that's not the truth. They're not unattainable. It wasn't like written to show you that you're never going to measure up to this. You know, God's never done that in the word of God. He didn't write an instruction for you to show you that you're never going to measure up. He wrote it because you can become this. This is who you can be. This is what's already on the inside of you, actually. So this was written for clarity so we can demonstrate God's love to the world. So if you've been in church for long, you've heard these things many times before, but don't tune out today because this is familiar. Instead, listen in and just allow yourself to be corrected for the things that you know already, but you're not doing. Amen. And as we go through these, I'm going to give you a chance at the end of each one of these to repent. <laughs> Isn't that great? And break the stronghold that's keeping you from true love. Because the only thing that's keeping you from true love is just a stronghold right here between your two ears. And we're going to break those today. So if you discover an area where you want freedom, just respond quickly today. This is a work that the Holy Spirit wants to do within you today, but it requires your response. Did you know that your response matters? Did you know that when somebody gives you a gift, if I hand you a gift, you have to respond and take it, right? Look at your neighbor and say, your response matters. Don't think you can just sit there and do nothing. Go on, tell them that too. Don't think you can just sit there and do nothing. <laughs> so love suffers long and is kind. 
And we often separate these out, but they actually go together. Not only is love long-suffering or patient, but it is kind while it is patient. <laughs> oh, man. You know what this phrase long-suffering like, actually means? To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. And here's how it's explained in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Amen. Glory to God. So make room for the faults of others, recognizing that you too have faults. It's not that you ignore the faults, but when those faults come to the surface, you just approach resolve with patience and kindness and gentleness. Not, you should have never done that. Why are you doing that? You're an idiot. I can't believe you're doing this again. Not God's response. Some of y'all never said that, but you've thought it. So if you tend to get upset with others' faults and you're ready to break the stronghold, why don't you raise your hand right now and surrender that to God? Amen. Amen. We break that stronghold in the name of Jesus. Now, if you tend to ignore other people's faults instead of finding resolve with patience and kindness and gentleness, that's not a good response either, just ignoring it. So why don't you make a commitment right now to just embrace those uncomfortable conversations and learn how to actually help people with their faults. Not put them down, not ignore them, but helping them. Amen? Amen. All right. Love does not envy. Here we find ourselves all the way back to number 10 of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Every time you get jealous of what somebody else has, not only are you breaking one of the Ten Commandments, but you're abandoning the most important part of your Christian walk, love. Do you get upset when someone else gets the promotion that you thought you deserved? Are you upset with those who make more money than you? How about that person who got that car that you wanted? Now, 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 this is a hard thing to admit, but today we're breaking strongholds, so if you want freedom from this one, just go ahead and deny your pride right now and stand up and receive freedom. Praise the Lord. Woo, that takes boldness. Come on. Yep, stay standing. Lord, we thank you. Break this stronghold off of us in the name of Jesus. We don't want to be people who envy. We do not want to cover what other people have. We want to remain in peace and fully content with what you've given us. So we receive freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek self. Have you ever been around someone who constantly talks about themselves and all they've accomplished? It's exhausting, isn't it? You know why it's exhausting? Because it's ungodly behavior. What I just explained is kind of an extreme case, but by observation, I found that actually most Christians are kind of bound by this because it's the most flaunted expression of counterfeit love. In the world, everything is about me. Pamper yourself, put yourself first. Y'all, make sure you get your me time. Make sure, especially you parents, make sure you get your me time. Put your mark on the earth. Don't let anybody else get in your way. You do you. <laughs> The best way to figure out if you're infected with this is just to ask yourself a simple question. Am I more interested in others than myself? When you meet with somebody, are you consumed with what you're going to say? 
Or are you more interested in learning what they have to say? In other words, would you actually be okay just sitting there and asking questions about them and listening the whole time? Would you be okay with that? The solution for this is simple. Just get curious about others. Get curious about others. Find out what they're up to. Find out what they're trying to accomplish. Find out how you can help them reach their goals. And if you want the Holy Spirit to start correcting you every time you get consumed with self, raise your hand and opt in today. All right. Y'all know what you're asking for. Praise the Lord. Holy Spirit, show us every time we're consumed with self. Everybody who wants to say this after me, say, Holy Spirit, Spirit, do what it takes takes to rid me of selfishness. selfishness. Amen. Amen. Love is not easily provoked. (laughs) What's that? Why are are we cackling already? Do you know what this is really saying in today's terms? Love is not irritable. (laughs) Love is not irritable. If it's easy to make you upset, today everything changes, because I got some good news for you. That's not who you are. (laughs) The enemy would love for you to believe that's how you're wired. Has anybody ever been told that? That's just how you're wired. But that's not true. Since God has placed his love on the inside of you, you are more than capable of doing this. If you're done being irritable, if you're done being one of those people that just fly off the handle, if you're done being one of those people that other people are afraid to talk to, Break the stronghold now. Just lift up your hands right where you are and surrender and say to the Lord, I am done being irritable. I rebuke the lie that this is my personality. It's not who I am. I am full of peace and patience. Amen. I bet you somebody up here could testify to that one. Say, I used to be irritable and now I'm not because I got a revelation of the truth of who I am. If that's you, raise your hand if you could testify to that. Look at that. Look at that. Let the Lord do the same thing for you. Love thinks no evil. (laughs) Are we pointing fingers? Is that what's going on? All right, so love thinks no evil. What would be considered an evil thought? Somebody tell me. Revenge. Huh? What would be considered an evil thought? Do what? They're going to get their comeuppance. He doesn't love me. When we think evil thoughts, we like to go to the extreme, maybe of like lust. We, we didn't mention that one probably because nobody wants to say that out loud, right? Lust and perversion and hate and violence and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, any ungodly thought is an evil thought. Any ungodly thought is an evil thought. Early in my marriage, I would sit and I would think about everything that Beth was doing wrong. Everything that Beth, and how our marriage would be so much better if she would just fix the things that she was doing wrong. Isn't it amazing how I couldn't see that I was the one who was the problem? Isn't that amazing? When you rehearse your spouse's faults, or really anybody's faults for that matter, it would be considered evil thinking. If you are thinking about the faults of others, it is evil thinking. Nowhere does God say to consume yourself with other people's faults. Nowhere does God say in the scripture to consume yourself with other people's faults. 
Ooh, somebody's getting free right now. Several years ago, I was lying in bed and I was rehearsing what I had done wrong. I'd made a mistake in one of my work projects and I was playing it in my mind over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I was thinking, I can't believe I did that. What is my boss going to think when I tell him I'm such an idiot? How, do I not, how did I not see that? I mean, I tend to be, or I deserve to be tormented with guilt over this. And I had been doing this my whole life. Like I was consumed with my own failures. Pro status. I had it down. I knew how to do that. But this time, the Holy Spirit interrupted my pity party. How dare he? (laughs) By reminding me of a scripture that I had read many times, he took me right to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He said, fix your thoughts because they were broken. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Can I tell you that when I read this scripture, I looked at it really hard because I wanted to find a way to justify how I was thinking. I'm like, surely what I'm thinking right now, consumed with my failures, somehow fits into this. But I couldn't make it fit. It was like a square peg in a round hole, right? I was like, come on. Nope, didn't work. And in this moment, I received a revelation from the scripture. Any thought that does not pass every condition in this test is an ungodly thought. Any thought that does not pass every condition in this test is an ungodly thought. And allowing ungodly thoughts to continue in my mind is sin. At first, when they first come, it's a temptation. You're being tempted to latch on to an ungodly thought. But if you continue in those thoughts, it becomes sin. I don't want you all to be tormented over the temptation, though. The enemy likes to torment us over that. Sometimes we're tempted to sin. Sometimes we're tempted to think the wrong way. Those are just temptations. All, what matters is what you do with the temptation, Love thinks no evil. So we're not talking about those ungodly thoughts that pop up and you take them captive. What we're talking about is the ungodly thoughts that you rehearse in your mind and you mull them over and over and over and over again. And aren't you glad that God doesn't do that to you? Aren't you glad he's not up in heaven saying, Cain did this wrong, I can't believe he did this wrong and that wrong and this wrong. No, he sees me as holy and without fault. He does. The truth in Ephesians, right? I'm so glad God doesn't do that. So let's line up with him. Let, let's say, I want to think like God thinks. I want to see these people right here as holy and without fault. <laughs> Somebody says, that takes faith. Yep, sure does. It does. Only think on things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And here's how we do it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So this is an ongoing choice you have to make. When an evil thought comes onto the scene, you cast it out. I'd be as aggressive with this as you would if a demon showed up into your house. They're just going, cast it out. Nope, you don't get to come in here. When an ungodly thought comes into your mind, cast it out. Don't allow it to take up residence in your mind. Replace it with godly thoughts. And there's no shortcut for this. I can't have an altar call right now and say, everybody who never wants to have an ungodly thought again, come on up and I'm going to rid you from... It doesn't work that way. This is a discipline. This is something that you have to do. There's no shortcut for this. Renewing your mind is an ongoing work, and you renew your mind through the Word of God. So I'm so glad you're here today, renewing your mind. But can I tell you what? You're going to need your mind renewed again, maybe even this afternoon, all right? Put in the effort. You have to become the master of your own mind. It's up to you. All right, love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
This is where that whole love is love argument, love is love, kind of falls apart right here, right? Iniquity, which is also known as sin, it doesn't mesh with love. Like love and iniquity do not go together. They're kind of like opposite magnets, right? If iniquity is involved, it's counterfeit love. If you have sex outside of marriage, it's counterfeit love. If you have premarital sex, it's counterfeit love. If you're engaged in LGBTQ behaviors, it's counterfeit love. When iniquity is involved, you can be sure that God's love is nowhere to be found. In order to experience God's love, you must live according to the truth found in the Bible. This is another one that requires discipline. How oh, I love the ones that require discipline, don't you? Requires discipline. You have to crucify your flesh. Daily, crucify your flesh. You have to remove yourself from the ungodly behaviors. Just like you're casting out wrong thoughts, you're removing yourself from ungodly behaviors. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to do this. He gives you the power to do this, to walk free from sin. So line up with the Holy Spirit and let him help you and walk free. He didn't just forgive you of your sin. He freed you from your sin. Latch on to that truth. Because when you know the truth, it sets you free. Amen. Love bears all things. Somewhat mysterious. Bears all th- What does that mean? This is an easy one to just kind of like read over. You're like, yeah, love bears all things, all things, please all things. And then we just kind of go on to what's next, right? But uh, let's dig into this one. Sure, we get it. Every detail in Scripture is important. In a practical application, the original Greek word that's translated to this word bear refers to a roof that protects a home. And here's the definition according to the Thayer lexicon. To protect by covering, right? Like a roof. To cover with silence, to conceal the faults of others. Wow. To keep off something that threatens. Love bears all things. So let's talk about what this looks like in everyday life. The Bible instructs us to confess our sins to each other so that we can find healing. But it doesn't say to confess the sins of someone else. Not even if they're disguised as a prayer request. The faults of someone else are not yours to talk about. That's right. As a matter of fact, God's kind of love provides a covering of silence while they work it out. When you find yourself talking about someone else's faults to anyone other than that person, you're in sin. You're off the mark. You've missed it. You're working outside of God's love and you're hindering the body of Christ whenever you do that. Not only that, but you're hindering yourself. Anytime you find yourself talking about somebody else's faults to somebody other than that person, the church should be a place where you can go to someone, confess your sins, find healing, and trust that they're never going to say a word about it. Others' sins are not yours to share. Your job is to conceal their faults and protect them with a covering of silence. If they want to share, that's up to them. It's not yours to share. And the best way you can help them find healing is by creating a protective covering over them while they work it out. Now, we all know this already. I mean, if you just sit and think about it for one second, you're like, you know what? The gossip never helped anybody. It it never helped. So does anyone want to confess the sin of gossip so you can be healed from that today? If so, go ahead and stand up, and I'm going to pray with you. Lord, your word says that when we confess our sins to each other, we find healing. So I thank you for healing everybody who has stood up. It's such a hard thing to stand up for. Nevertheless, 
Healing is going to come now to them. Healing to their mind. Healing to their actions. Holy Spirit, we thank you for reminding us every time we're about to gossip, every time we're about to talk about somebody else's faults, that you show up very strongly and you say, shh, we're asking you to do that for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you all. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, love believes all things. Another mysterious statement. We tend to brush over this one. Let's dig in and make sure we get it. Did you know this is the same word? used when the scriptures talk about believing in Christ. And this makes this even more challenging to wrap your head around because like we're talking about loving other people. So this is saying I need to believe in other people the same way that I believe in Christ. There's three de- different, there's three definitions of this Greek word that bring clarity. To place confidence in, so this is what believe means, to place confidence in, to trust, to commit. To place confidence in, to trust, to commit. Have you all seen the movie The Blind Side? Isn't that a great movie? I love that movie. So a foster care child called Big Mike, right? Big Mike, he has the odds stacked against him. Nobody seemed to care until this unlikely family took him in. And his new adoptive parents faced the challenges with him. They helped him overcome his past, his really rough upbringing, one painful step at a time. And it wasn't an easy road, but eventually he made his way to the NFL and became an offensive lineman. Incredible story. And we all love stories of the underdogs rising to the top. Yes. But we often forget about the key ingredient to their success. That good Samaritan that did what nobody else was willing to do. With no leg to stand on, the good Samaritan gave them the gift of placing their confidence in who they would become. Right? They offered trust without requiring them to earn it. They, they committed to the process without wavering. And we love this story because it's really God's love on display, isn't it? It touches the deepest part of our innermost being because our spirit recognizes, you know what? That is real love. That's real love. Yet we've adopted a totally different mindset. We've convinced ourselves that people have to earn our trust. People have to earn our trust. We're not going to place confidence in them until they give us a good reason to. And commitment, that might as well be a cuss word in our culture. We struggle to commit to serving at church. I mean, we just want to keep our options open in case something else better comes along for me. For me. And I believe we all have some work to do on this one, right? And it starts at home. Give your spouse the gift of your confidence in who they will become. Yes. Give them the gift of trust without forcing them to earn it. Just give it give them trust as a gift. Commit to the process no matter how challenging it is. And then do the same thing for your kids. Do the same thing for your parents. Do the same thing for your church family. Do the same thing for God. Of everything we've talked about so far, I imagine this is the most challenging. And that's why you must first start. Let's just start with God. Give him the gift of trust. Can you do that? Give God the gift of trust. Trust what he says in his word, even when you don't like it. When you don't understand, trust anyways. When when he gives, when something prophetic, when a prophetic word rises up in your spirit, he gives you direction for your life, and it goes contrary to your own thoughts, your own wisdom, give him the gift of trust and say, Lord, you know what? I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you anyways. Amen. Love hopes all things. Now we're tying it all together. This gives us the picture of patiently waiting for somebody to become who they were meant to be. Anybody patiently waiting 
for somebody to become who they were meant to be. And we're not talking about waiting with our arms crossed full of criticism. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about waiting full of joy, full of confidence that they're going to make it. And they can see it in the way that you talk to them. They don't understand why you're so nice to them, why you show up with a smile, why you go rescue them and you're, you're still smiling because all you can see is who they're going to become. Doesn't that change everything? You're not showing up saying, I can't, believe you did. I can't believe I'm here again, rescuing you again. Nope. You show up with a smile because I know who you're going to become. I have my mindset, my thoughts set on what is pure and right and true and all the good things. I see who you're going to become. A person who loves as God loves is someone you can confide in, somebody who cheers you on towards the goal, someone who helps you along the way. How many of y'all want somebody to do that for you as you're working out your faults? And it's not that these people never confront you. They do. People who truly love you, they, they confront you from time to time. Can anybody say amen to that? Wow. Why do they confront you? Because they rejoice in the truth. But they share the truth with kindness and the expectation that you can do it. When you share the truth with somebody, you should have the expectation of, I'm sharing this with you because you can do this. Not trying to put you down. None of that. Lift them into the truth. We, we lift people into the truth. Come on up here. Love endures all things. And this is, it's not a mistake that this is the last thing listed because it's kind of the bow around the beautiful love package. It's what holds it all together. It also echoes the very first thing. In the first, love is patient, love endures. Patient endurance. Patient endurance is what holds love together. Patient endurance. In order to love as God loves, you must resist the urge to bail on people. Give up on people. You must persevere through many trials. You must stay calm and confident when it looks like they're not going to make it. The most challenging thing we will ever do is love as God loves. Our flesh hates it. Satan hates it. The world hates it. Everything ungodly is waging war against agape love. But God has demonstrated his love for you by giving his one and only son as a sacrifice for your sin. He demonstrated it for us and he did it first. Because God loves us, that's why we can love, right? He is beyond patient with your nonsense. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Thank you, Jesus. And he thinks no evil about you. Will you let that settle in? God thinks no evil about you. God remains confident in your outcome even when you're acting like a fool. He gives you the gift of trust, even when you didn't earn it. He will trust you with his spiritual gifts, even when you're not like perfect yet. He endures your nonsense as you work through it one step at a time. Maybe, we should, maybe I should add some one slow step <laughs> at a time. God demonstrates his love for you so that you can love others the same way that he loves you. So the focus of today's message is to help you truly love others because the word of God says that we're going to be known by our love one for another. That's how we're known. We're not known for prophecy or gifts of the spirit or, or any, any of that other stuff. And we're not known for our, our perfect doctrine that we have and our, that we don't make any mistakes. And that's not the stuff that we're, we're not known for our big programs and kids ministries and this and that. No, we're known by our love. 
this kind of love that we talked about today, one for another. Because it's peculiar, isn't it? Isn't, that a weird, isn't this a weird thing that I've been talking about today? To show up in a room and people are loving each other like this? Like, these people are strange, but I like it. <laughs> but did you realize that what we've talked about today, how to love others, this is exactly how God loves you. He is patient and kind. He does not envy. He is not consumed with himself. He's not irritable. Come on, did you know that? God's not irritable. He thinks no evil about you. He does not rejoice in iniquity. He rejoices in the truth. He provides a protective covering over you while you work out your faults. He is confident in who you will become. Confident. He knows you can do it. He is confident in it. He gives you the gift of trust, and he's committed to the process. He's never going to bail on you. He's never going to leave you, no matter how long it takes. <laughs> That's good. He is good. And remember the things we listed are not unattainable for you. They weren't written in 1 Corinthians 13 to show you that you're never going to measure up. They were written for clarity so that we can demonstrate God's love to the world. So who's ready to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit to love as he loves? Who wants to love as he loves? Who recognizes you need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you out? We can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We need this helper. Thank you, Lord, for sending a helper, right? So we need to be full of him, full of the Holy Spirit so that we can love as God loves. And somebody needs to know this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. I would... Wake up every day and ask for a fresh filling. Lord, fill me today with the Holy Spirit. Empty me of myself and fill me with the Holy Spirit. So let's go to him in prayer right now and ask him to do just that. Holy Spirit, empty us of ourselves and fill us with you. We want to live every day full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit and power, full of God's love. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is such a gift to us. Thank you for the helper. You sent another helper, and he's leading us into all truth, and he's helping us to love, and he's giving us, giving, giving us the gifts of the Spirit so that we can help each other. And it's just amazing what the Holy Spirit accomplishes in our lives as we yield to him. So thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us, fill us. Fill us, fill us, fill us. Fill us fresh today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We receive it. We receive it. Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us nurture the seed of your word that went into us today so that it can grow a tremendous harvest of love. May the enemy not steal this one. May it be sown in good ground and produce a harvest a hundredfold of incredible love. Incredible love, not just for our church family, but for everybody. Help us to see those around us differently, to never be critical, to never be full of criticism. Lord, break those patterns in our life that have had us caught up in some kind of religious nonsense and move us on over into your love. Help us to see. I believe today, after this message, we're going to see people differently. And it's going to relieve a lot of tension. So we release that tension to you. So that we can live peaceful lives because we keep our eyes focused on who people will become, not who they are right now, but who they're going to become as we continue to pray for them and lift them up and encourage them. 
And Lord, whenever you lead us to reveal the truth to somebody, even though it might be hard to hear, may it never come from anything other than love. May our motivation only be love. Lord, if our motivation is not love, whenever it comes time to share the truth, would you make us known and tell us to be quiet? Tell us to be quiet. We don't want to share these things from any other motivation. We don't want to be Holy Spirit Jr. going around and correcting everybody. Yes, we will speak truth whenever you lead us to speak truth. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you all thankful for the help of the Holy Spirit? Woo, help me. Next time you have a little squabble with somebody, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Put that 1 Corinthians 13 stamp on my heart right now. If you feel yourself getting worked up and about to go into who you used to be, just walk away, right? Go pray in the Spirit. That'll undo that real quick. Amen. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.